Welcome back to another episode of Blake Street Irregulars, your Colorado Rockies podcast brought to you by Tap 14. Tap 14 on 1920 Blake Street, just a stone's throw from the Rockies home plate entrance. It's a, on the top of Haters & Co. They're, everything there is local. That's the theme, Colorado. So you'll feel comfortable there. 70 Colorado draft beers, 100 Colorado spirits, and everything that's, that you have to eat there is locally sourced, locally grown. Uh, Chef Taylor Creedon does a great job there, and the menu even changes seasonally. So during Rocky seasons, you can find me there, and you can find us recording this very podcast there at Tap 14 during day games this season. But today, we have an opportunity to uh, talk with the editor-in-chief of Mile High Sports Magazine, uh, the uh, uh, one of the honchos here at Mile High Sports Radio. I guess, are you my boss, technically? No. Okay, well. <laughs> you can <laughs> well, do whatever you want. So much more liberating. But, uh, yeah, and, and uh, you know, famed man about town, uh, Doug Ottawa. Doug, how are you doing today? Good, man. How are you? I am good. This is, uh, and I'm good in part because here it is, as we record this, May 4th, and the Colorado Rockies are in first place. Yeah, I think even the most optimistic Rockies fans, if they were being completely honest, did not probably see this coming. No, although I would say this, and I wrote a column about this, uh, it was probably two weeks or so ago when people were really starting to get excited about this team. The Rockies do have a tendency to be at or close to first place pretty late into April. Um, It's more of a rarity that they're there in May. I think there was one season within the last six that they may have had a first place, flirted with it in June, but... And then, you know, the wheels fall off. I mean, we know the story here in Denver, but uh, I tend to think that this this feels a little bit more real to me. This feels like they're doing it uh, in a way that they've never done it before. Well, part of that is the road record. Uh, Ten and right. five on the road, uh, a very mediocre seven and six at home at this point. But that's that's a big part of it. What impressed me, I think, throughout April for the Rockies, when you kind of just look at it as a whole, most of that month, and yes, they started out in Milwaukee, but most of that month was a bunch of games against the Dodgers and the Giants and Good the team. Nationals, who were the best team in baseball, and that didn't go that well for them, obviously, but the Rockies had a pretty tough schedule out of the gate and, right. and got it done, and so I think that builds confidence, and they did it without uh, Ian Desmond, and they did it without, for a large part of it, John Gray. So you're talking about your top free agent edition and yep. your best starting pitcher, and they still managed to get it done. And I would take it a step further, and I would say, really... They did it without a lot of hitting. I mean, they didn't score double digits until deep, deep into the season. And when I say deep, I mean, probably a month in. I don't have the exact date, but I mean, it it, it was a while before they hit double digits and runs. They just didn't have the bats working early on. And and that's, you know, it's funny. You talk about the road record and you talk about, uh, you know, the injuries and stuff. They're, they're almost like the bizarro Rockies. They're doing everything the opposite of what the Rockies typically do, which is beat the ball kill teams at home, lose on the road. And that's why, you know, we're talking about them being in contention in April almost always, but that's how they do it is they hit the ball and they, and they play well at home. This season's been a, a completely opposite. They've won with pitching and they've won on the road. Just, uh, Makes no sense. Yeah, as you pointed out, the Rockies with the the double digit totals. The, their first one of the year was the win against uh, the Giants on April twenty second, and they've only scored a, the the ten or more runs one other time in April, and it was during a loss in that fifteen to twelve. Uh, well, you know, they just missed the field goal game against the uh, the Washington <laughs> Nationals, and then of course, as we record this last night's game where they beat the Padres eleven to three after losing the night before, and and you're bringing up a very good point because when you look at the standings. 
The Rockies on the season are negative two in run differential, so it means they've given up more runs than they've scored. They are the only division leader with a negative number, and quite frankly, they're the only division leader that's even close. Part of that problem to me, Doug, is the way that the, uh, the Rockies have approached their at-bats. Let's look at just the microcosm of this San Diego series. They'll close the third game out of the series before coming home to Coors Field today. Kyle Freeland will take the mound and continue his very hot start, 3-1 and one, to start off the season. Yep. Uh, but let's go take those last two games. The Rockies lose uh, the first game of the series. They uh, they have a, a decent enough pitching performance for a while. Uh, Tyler Chatwood kind of fell apart at, at a mid of grade of it there. But they score two runs, and then they strike out 15 times. It's a lot of strikeouts. Uh, and the pitchers also gave up another five walks. So one of the things that I've been kind of charting over the course of this month is – I can almost count it like a calorie count. You know, if you want to uh-huh. get something off, uh, you're comparing two things at the store and say, well, why aren't they different? And maybe the first thing you look at is the calories. There's other things that matter, but a, a good way to look at it. So I, I put that sort of for the Rockies. That was 20, 20 sort of giveaways. Right. 15, 15 strikeouts. Two, I get what you're saying. Yeah, 15 strikeouts and you surrendered sure. five walks. In their win, the 11-3 win against San Diego, Antonio Sensatella uh, goes to 4-1. and one. They had seven. Six strikeouts by the team, one walk counted out by the pitcher. For the Rockies, both home and away, that to me is the formula for success. Yeah, you can you can live with that. And I think Sensatella is just, he's the epitome of what you want your pitchers to be because he stands up there, he works fast, he throws strikes, and sometimes he gets hit. I mean, you know, you think back to a lot of his starts, uh, he has been knocked around in the first and second innings a little bit, but he's just so steady and he has so much faith in his ability to just continue to throw strikes and trust in his defense. And you're right. That's a that's a key for the Rockies because they do have a great defense and they do have good hitters. So if a guy like Sinzatilla goes goes out, gets a good quality start, and just gives them a consistency, that's really what a team like this needs. And, you know, you mentioned Chatwood's performance uh last night, or not not last night, two nights ago. Man, what a great performance he had! But he had that he had he let it go. I mean, and the pro, home runs pro, are exacerbated by walks. The, yeah. the, the freebies. Yep. Manager it's the Bud, traffic. Right. Bud Black has talked about that. The Rockies' new manager about how important it is to not surrender the walks. And and the Rockies saw it a little bit uh, against them in the game that the Chatwood pitched because you know you walk a guy and then the the, the home run beats you. In baseball, as as odd as it sounds. The solo shot doesn't generally beat you. No, and that's it's what the one with two and three dealt on. with a few times. He's gotten a solo shot in the first and second innings a couple times, but it's okay. He's not facing traffic. Yeah, so it's it's the, those three home three run home runs. Those, those two run runs. You. Those are the ones that kill you. And so the, if the Rockies minimize that, they're in good shape. When you look at the offensive side, for example, uh, the night before they struck out on almost exactly half their at bats. And, and I understand that baseball is moving towards a, a sort of a binary game where you hit a home run or you strike out, and, and teams are living with those numbers with strikeouts that they hadn't before. But they are still complete giveaways. You have 27 outs. The Rockies gave away 15. There's no such thing, no matter how they want to spin it, as a productive strikeout. You simply surrender one of your 27 outs. But the Rockies, in their win, they had some guys on base, and then also in baseball, this is prone to happen, Weird things happen. The, the Padres have a couple strange errors. That leads to things that can beat you, too. So, the, to me, when you look at the way the Rockies are going, and, and you bring up the good point with, with Senzatella, and we will get back to him, but on offense, it is the, 
the batting averages, the on-base percentages of some of their significant guys, heart of the order guys, right. Carlos Gonzalez, Trevor Story. They're right at the uh, the edge of it. Trevor Story uh, has absolutely looked atrocious in the early going at the plate. He's batting 170, 42 strikeouts in 94 at-bats on the season. Uh, that's simply unacceptable, and you'll notice that in the win they had the night before, they didn't start him. They decided to right. start Alexei Amarista. They've got to find a way to get it right and just get the bat on the ball because at Coors Field, you don't need to swing for home runs. Right. Just, just get a, get the barrel the on it and, and watch it fly. And so it's, Watch the doubles rack up. It is it's going to be fascinating to see what they do because after they close out this series with the Padres, they come home, they will face the second place, Arizona Diamondbacks. Again, I ch- anybody who told, told you that – here we, go, here we go. The first weekend in May, you'd have a first-place matchup between the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. Right. Stop lying. In the I, no, nobody said that. Stop Not it. in the NOS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no way. But let's go back to that pitching in Sensatella because it is interesting. He kind of does. And you, 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 you hit on it, and I want to elaborate on that. He's not a guy that misses a lot of bats. Right. This isn't, this isn't a John Gray type that's going to mow down 9, 10 guys. He doesn't really do that. He actually gives up a lot of contact. Yep. And... That sounds like a bad idea, but in truth, it's not necessarily a bad idea. Because for a Rockies pitcher, I think they've understood, unless they happen to draft one, they're not ending up with a Noah Syndergaard, a Madison Bumgarner. Those guys are never going to come here. Right. So you have to be realistic in your expectations. Senzatella, in his first start, went five innings. He hasn't gone less than six since. Right. So you're talking about a guy that is eating the innings, and in Coors Field, basically, if you just outlast the other guy. It's huge. It, no, no matter how many runs, if you give up four runs, but you outlasted him because he gave up five, good enough. Right. Your, your team is getting a chance to win. Senzatella starts uh, the month with a, outstanding performances back to back to back and then ends up taking the National League uh, Rookie of the Year for April. Or Rookie of the Year. Rookie, rookie of the Month, month yeah, sure. for, for April. And then Greg Holland, uh, what was considered something of a health gamble, uh, a good right. gamble. He ends up winning the, uh, the the reliever of the uh, the month for the Rockies. Essentially perfect, still perfect in save opportunities. He's been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So it, the Rockies seem to be understanding that there are a couple different ways to do this. But when you look at their pitching staff, John Gray's hurt. Tyler Chatwood has been underwhelming. Tyler Anderson has been a mess. It's been the young guys. Senzatella right. and Freeland. Without them, where would the Rockies be? Yeah, and I think you have to look at uh... – Bud Black and obviously the new, you know, the new pitching staff or the pitching coach, I should say, um, because they're I really think that you can't overstate the importance of Bud Black when it comes to the confidence of especially young pitchers. You know, Chadwood is an interesting guy because you compare him to someone like Sinzatella or even Gray, really, and it just seems like he labors out there. He is thinking about every pitch. He's, you know, it, and maybe it's because of his size or whatnot, but he just seems like it's a it's work. And that's, you know, when you have that blow up inning in the sixth, like you had the other night, that's that's kind of when that shows up. Whereas, you know, Gray, I think, is overpowering and you know, he just looks he has a presence about him. Sensatella is a guy that it, it just looks to me like he's playing catch all the time. He just doesn't look like he's sweating anything. And I think that's a big thing for the Rockies because, you know, you've got guys that you can count on that are smooth, that are fluid, that aren't taxing their bodies. And then, you, you know, you kind of bring that back to Bud Black. And I think that he's a guy that really understands how to manage young pitchers, especially in their mindset and their approach. And you wonder if a guy like Chatwood or a guy like Anderson is sort of, 
I don't want to say stuck in the old Rockies way, but you wonder how much of that influence or how much of their struggles in the past carry into this and and maybe how long it will take a guy like Bud Black to get them over that. Because Chatwood played, he, he pitched really, really well the other night up until when he didn't. Yeah, and then you have those blips, and unfortunately that's enough to, to hurt you. The, the other starters besides Sensatella and Freeman, three and seven on the season thus far, Sensatella and Freeland, seven and two. But I, I, I think it's a terrific point you make about demeanor because – uh, you talk about Sensatelli. I've described him as a guy that has kind of a slow heartbeat and a short memory, which, exactly. which you need. Exactly. You know, he gives up those early home runs. Okay, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried no about problem. the guy that's at the plate now. That's right. gone. And uh, it does seem that the Chat- Chatwood and Anderson, especially in the early going, uh, they seem to tighten They're up. They're gripping. They're gripping. And you think of the guys who are among the Rockies' win leaders in their history, Jorge De La Rosa, uh, Aaron Cook, uh, Armando Reynoso, Jason Jennings. They all kind of had that similar demeanor of, Oh well, you got me. I don't care. Next guy up. De La Rosa is the—he's the epitome of that because he never really threw that hard. He, ne- he didn't overpower anybody. He had good stuff, not great stuff, but he was just steady. And you know, I—I I would even say Ubaldo, if you go back a little sure. bit. I mean, he obviously had some fantastic, you know, stuff. He, you know, the the, the old phrase that everybody—he has electric stuff, which is one of the most overused terms in Denver for years while he was here but he did but it was easy he's a workhorse kind of pitcher and I think that's a you know I don't mean to beat up on on Chatwood but he he does have to work for it you know and I think that shows a little bit unfortunately going forward I think the the guys we want to take a look at especially coming into this uh, Arizona series uh, Carlos Gonzalez Trevor Story the guys that need to get it right which one do you think gets it right first or is this going to be a problem that lingers I think cargo definitely. I mean, I mean, cargo baseball is one of those games where the law of averages inevitably plays out. Guys have slumps. Guys, have, but but look, cargo is a great, great hitter. He's he just is. The I mean, track he, record is there yeah. at least. Yeah, and, and so over time, that's going to balance out. I I don't think that you know he's not any kind of age where we've said, oh well, he's officially lost it. Not not at all. So I I think that he will straighten it out. I have no concerns about that. Trevor Story, I think, is a is one where, you know, you've you've got to, I think you have to be patient with him. But I, I compare him a little bit to uh, Clint Barmas. I mean, he here's a guy who, as a rookie, was phenomenal, and he really slumped that second year when he came back, and then obviously had the injury. You know, he turned into a decent player and had a pretty long career. I, I think Trevor Story is a special talent, no question. I think at this time. He's pressing, too. I mean, we talk about pitchers that are pressing when they get into jams and things like that. Trevor Story is in that position from the plate. I mean, he just – and he came into the season with such expectation. I mean, what he did, you know, through the first half of his rookie season before he got hurt was was unbelievable. I mean, it's it was unprecedented. So I, I think that, you know, you take a guy like that and, and he doesn't get to play the second half. So, you know, in, in a – in a rookie season, I think every every rookie, no matter how good they are, they're going to endure a slump of some kind. So he never got that chance to sort of fight through that or figure out how to do that. I mean, he was just good from start to finish from the time he got hurt. So I think at this point, he just hasn't had – he's really still a rookie in that regard. He hasn't had to deal with adversity. He hasn't had to deal with a slump. And you see it in the strikeouts because he's he wants to – I mean, he struck out three out of his four at-bats – on, yeah, uh, the last on Tuesday yep, night. Right. I mean, that's 
you know, to me, that's a guy that is he's trying to make something happen instead of letting the game come to him, which he really was doing as a rookie. You bring up a good point about the injury because normally the the idea is you go out and if you're a talented guy like Trevor Story and you hit all the home runs like he did and it was an offensive threat, well, then teams start looking at the, the, the tape and they, they take a look at you yep. and go, okay, you know what, we noticed a couple holes in these swings we can exploit. And they did, and then you'll find out a good player, will they adjust back right. to the league now that they know how you play? Uh, Carlos Gonzalez has done that. We've seen him do it. So sure. there's less reason to panic there. Trevor Story, we haven't seen him do it. And uh, at, at times, when you look at a guy like Trevor Story, he was not considered like the elite prospect in the – he was considered you know one of the interesting guys. Yeah, sure. But wasn't expected to come to this team and become a star. Uh, you, you just sort of hope that maybe the the hype involved – This Trevor Story may be a guy that's a, a 250 hitter that's got a ton of power because you're right. He has special talent, but it's not necessarily the special all around talent. Right. He has tremendous power for the shortstop position. He's a, at least a solid defender. And to his credit, he hasn't taken any of the problems from the plate out into the field. He's right. been very good at, out there, but I, I wonder if Rockies fans need to adjust their expectations. I think that's a great Story. way to put it actually. And, and I mean, here at, uh, here at mile high sports, we're just as guilty. We put him on the cover of our baseball issue. And, and I think, People are so well, excited. You can only do Nolan Arenado so many times. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> people people are so excited about this kid, and, and rightfully so. I mean, they got a glimpse last year of what he's capable of. Um, but, you know, if you really look at I mean, is is he the kind of talent that Troy Tulowitzki was when, when Tulowitzki was young? No. I would say no, no. yeah. And, and that, that, there, that doesn't mean that, that he can't be a, a phenomenal player. It doesn't mean anything bad about him. I think just in terms of the eye test, I mean, Troy Tulowitzki was – it was obvious he was a very, very special player from the beginning. Trevor Story did his best to to be on that same level, and, and he he came through, I mean, especially statistically. I don't think he's quite as smooth in the field, but he's very serviceable. I mean, he, he's a very good shortstop. And to your point, he hasn't had any, you know, any, any – significant error you know things of that nature where he hasn't had the yips at least and some no, guys when they're at pressing at the plate do right yeah. and so i think it's a matter of him figuring it out and getting you know it sounds funny but getting one of those bloop singles or getting something where the ball just creeps through the infield and gets a hit and he you know builds a little confidence i mean it's the old baseball adage you know i mean if it, it, the law of average is going to work out and if he is a good player i think by the end of the season we'll see that but you might be right he, he could be a 250 hitter that's a very good shortstop that has the ability to hit on a home run, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, maybe he's not a, a cleanup type guy over the course of his career. Maybe he's your seven-hole guy with some occasional pop. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. So uh, Rockies fans need to adjust their expectations, but I think your point is very valid. It, it seems as if Trevor Story is trying to screw himself into the ground hitting at 500 feet every time, yeah. and it would be nice to just see a little blooper or a two-opper through the infield to let him to basically remind him, you don't have to kill it. Just put the bat on the ball. You're strong enough that good things are going to happen. And it's, it's a blessing and a curse when a guy jumps out of the gates like he did last year because all of a sudden, and if you look back at his minor league statistics, he was never just a power hitter. He was never a guy that well, was Well, he wasn't hitting, a guy that hit 40 home runs yeah, in the and minors and he, and he or he wasn't hitting like 400 either. So, I mean, you look back, and, and again, I hate to just beat this into the ground, but whether you're talking about Cargo or Trevor Story, like – Baseball always evens out. You are who you are because there's so many games. There's so many plate appearances. There's so many of everything. And I think Trevor Story is a good player, but I think for a stint last year, he was a great player. But I think that you, that has to pull back a little bit because he hasn't been a great player his entire life. I mean, he had a great stint, and that's that's fun. That's a lot of 
reason to get excited about a guy, but you also have to be realistic about at some point that's going to drop off a little bit. Well, Ian Desmond returned from his uh, hand injury. He was fantastic in, in last night's game, two home runs. Uh, he's been uh, very, very good in just the three appearances with the Rockies. It looked like the the splash is there. The power is real, and and the Rockies are excited to have him back. But now that now they're running into a spot where there's a bit of a logjam. Mark Reynolds has played terrific. Absolutely, you can't just let him go. No. Uh, he's got to stay on the 25. Uh, Gerardo Parra, who was hurt all last year, is played pretty well. Played outstanding well. defense, outstanding defense, and he's been very good. But now you pop. have Desmond in there. You have an outfield. You have. Carlos Gonzalez, you have Charlie Blackman, you have Gerardo Parra. Desmond started in the outfield now as well. And and remember, we haven't gotten David Dahl back yet. Right. So let's take a look at Carlos Gonzalez. This is the last year of his career, or not career, last year of his current contract with the Rockies. And the Rockies understand now they have some depth behind him. Now, they're not all Carlos Gonzalez. Uh, I, there are people that ride cargo here and there. I get that. But uh, there's one of the few guys that can do anything. He's, he's as a good a defensive player. player as there is. Yep. He's a terrific batter, both for average and power, even though he's not doing it at the moment. But you're right. It tends to average out. If you're the Rockies, do you let this play out? Because I think when the season ends, they're just not the kind of team that has the money that if he hits the open market, they're going to get him back. Or do you make a move and try to acquire more talent? Uh, I think, and I don't mean to ride the fence here, but I think you have the leverage in this situation because one of the things that I've heard, you know, from other people and also, you know, bits and pieces of, of listening to Jeff Breidich over the spring training and, and early in the season is one of the things that the Rockies identified and Jeff Breidich identified that has always been a problem for them and is their depth. And I think when you play at Colorado – you can either sit back and wonder how and why do we always get hurt and why you know why does everybody have this problem and that problem and late in the season we've got guys that are out and uh, constantly on the DL. Well, you know what? Maybe that just is part of playing in Colorado. So Jeff Breidich, instead of saying, well, instead of getting this kind of pitcher, we got to get that kind of pitcher, or instead of getting this kind of guy, we got to get that kind of guy, and that's how we'll fix it. He just said, no, we just need more guys. We need more guys that can that are capable of playing in whatever position it is. So if you look at the way that this roster is constructed, both in terms of pitchers and position players, there's depth everywhere. So I think that's very much by design. It's very much by design because they realize they're going to have injuries in weird ways at weird times. And I, I think that's a very, uh, it's a very cautious and very well thought out plan that Breidich has hatched. So getting back to the question, do you, rush and try to get something for Carlos Gonzalez I don't think you do I think if the right thing falls in your lap and there's a team that's out there that says man we really need a, a right fielder knowing that the Rockies really have at least a couple I mean if, if you know and Reynolds helps that situation even though he's primarily you know he's a first baseman but you know if between Dahl and Desmond who could all play the outfield you have depth in all those positions. So I think if, if something, if the right thing comes along. And that would have to be young starting pitching. Yeah, if, right. But I also look at it and say, hey, you know what? You're in first place and you have been since the get-go. And if you're still pacing at that at the all-star break, I don't know that you rock the boat. Because young, bringing in young starting pitching at that point is not going to help you make the playoffs. It might help your your team in the future. I, I think there there's something to be said for that. But... You know, it, it, it always boils down to the question, 
at that all-star break, are you a buyer or are you a seller? And I think the, the, the team, the franchise sort of owes that both to themselves and to the fans that if they're in position to make a run at this, which they are right now, and if they can sustain that, I think you owe it to yourself to see it play out, especially with a guy like Cargo, because Cargo is a, he, he's not only a great player, but he's a fan favorite. And I think if you unload a guy like that, when you're in position to take your division for the first time ever, you send the wrong message. Yeah, when you look at uh, Cargo on top of that, he may not be the best player on the team anymore. That clearly is Nolan Arenado, but he is the really the senior guy. He's the guy in the clubhouse. He's yeah. the guy that has essentially taken over that Todd Helton role and that with a lot of youth on the team in a couple of different spots, including a Trevor Story, including the young pitchers, a David Dahl when he comes up, uh, that may be more important than than people think. And I think you're right when you talk about going all in because let's go even long term down the road. They're going to have to break the bank open for Nolan Arnato sooner rather than later. His arbitration years yes, are coming are. up, and they're going to want to probably erase those and get him on a long-term deal. But if you're Nolan Arenado, as much as he enjoys being here, and he said he has, he's going to get to go anywhere he wants if he hits free agency. Yep. The Rockies probably have to turn themselves into a contender to yes. make themselves an enticing spot for him to land it's a great point because i believe nolan arenado is a guy who wants to win yes and oh, i don't think there's any question i don't about think that. there's i wouldn't say there's no amount of money but i wouldn't i wouldn't say that money will be the key factor when it's time for him because he's going to get paid he absolutely is going to get yeah, paid. And he's, make no mistake he's not going to take some huge discount to stay with the rockies either. right nor would he to go to any team in baseball that's close to winning but i do think that winning will be as much of a factor as money i like I said, he's going to get paid by somebody. His market value is what it is. And so I think when a guy like that has his choice of teams, he's going to go someone to someone that has a chance to win or that has a history of winning. And I think that's where this this all-star break or this trade deadline, however you want to look at it, is important. And not just from a standpoint of sending the right message, but you know, you're sending the right message to that guy. Because if you can win this season – and he's a part of that, and he and, and he sees how the team takes care of a veteran like Cargo. I I think that that's gonna say a lot when it's time for him to decide what to do. And you know that there's no guarantee that they that they go on and win the World Series or that they, you know, end up winning the division. But I think if you if you have to try, you have to you you can't assume you're not gonna and trade away you know, one of the faces of the franchise just so you can get some young pitching. But, you know, I, I do understand that there's value there that they that they will need long term. But I still think at this stage in sort of the, the Rockies franchise existence, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your fan base and you owe it to your best players to say, you know what, we're going to try to win. We're not going to try to look down the road. I mean, you look at some of the other teams in town, you know, namely the Nuggets and the Avs, and I would say, that's always the model. They're always looking at, well, how can we be better next year? They, they're, they're rarely answer the question. Let's, let's do that this year. And I think that Denver as a market kind of sees that and it, it's an annoying trend. So when the Rockies have a chance to do something, I think that they should do it as opposed to looking way down the road. Perfectly stated. I, I think that's an outstanding way to, way to put it. It really is because it's, it's a statement year for the Rockies, both, uh, whether they're going to turn the corner and be the kind of franchise that I think they always uh, want to be. Yeah. And it is more about the, it, 
I think you make a great point about the players too. The, the fans are important and the fans do deserve uh, a great product there. But part of getting that great product is getting players who want to buy in and getting that buy in is for the players to understand that this franchise is committed to winning and will do what it takes to win. And if that means that potentially if you, you can get into the playoffs and you keep Carlos Gonzalez and he leaves free agency for nothing, but you're going to make, you're going to make a run that year. That's maybe the statement the Rockies will have to make. And you know what? I might even consult with Nolan Arenado. What do you think about this? How do you want to proceed down the stretch? Because he is your guy, and he needs to know that he's your guy. And it, I think the the other situation that kind of plays into it that's kind of interesting is that Nolan Arenado and Troy Tulowitzki were pretty close. I mean, Troy Tulowitzki kind of took him under yeah, his wing, very close. brought him up. And I think that that was pretty impactful to see – to see Troy Tulowitzki let go. Arenado was furious he was. at that trade. Yeah, and I think if you fast forward, that trade was one of the better trades that the Rockies have probably ever made. And ooh, ooh, you don't think so? We'd have to disagree on that one. Okay, I, 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 I thought I, that I thought that bringing Jose Reyes back was a was a mistake. I, you didn't really shed salary like you expected to. You did save a little money, but that was a headache. And and uh, you look at the prospects they got. You know, Jeff Hoffman is actually uh, after having a, a atrocious major league. A cup of coffee. And he's pitching well in the minors now, and there's still plenty of reason to be optimistic. Uh, Jesus Tinoco was a, a low-level minor league guy, and uh, as exciting as Miguel Castro was with again electric stuff, uh, right. uh, they've already moved on from him. Right, and he's uh, and, and joined the Baltimore Orioles. I guess I should probably rephrase that. What they got in return wasn't that great. What they got out from under, I think, was key. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Retaining some flexibility yeah, that, that was yeah. going to be much Because needed. they really, I mean, people. There's no Ian Desmond here. There's no Greg right. Holland here. Absolutely. Without that money and, being freed and so, up. So, yeah, if you, look at, if you look at the pieces just involved in the trade, it, it wasn't a great trade. But if you look at the end result and how they freed themselves of this, that, and the other in salary and were able to sign. Holland, and we haven't really talked much about him, but Holland's one of those guys that, you know, that could go down as one of the best moves ever in, in terms of Rockies acquisition. And I think it's a good, it's a good model of how the Rockies have to do things because they're never going to get the closer that everybody on the market wants. That's a no brainer. Holland's they're, they're pitched a never, month and I would make the argument from what I've seen. I know he doesn't have the, the career stats. He's probably the best closer the Rockies have ever had. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm not even sure it's all that close. Yeah. I mean, you know, there were some times there in 2007 when, when Manny Corpus was phenomenal, yeah, but Darren Holmes had a run. Uh, it, Jose Jimenez had for a yeah. year too. Right. I mean, I, I just so happened to have to be a Royals guy. So I, I watched Holland and I remember him just being that bulldog kind of just tough mentally kind of guy. And I think that, you know, people didn't necessarily, especially because he's an American League guy, they didn't really seen that in the past. So when a guy like that comes in and does the same thing right here at Coors Field, it's so much bigger than a save on any given night. It says this can be done with the right kind of guy and the right kind of mentality. And I think the fact that they went out and, and basically they're going to have to gamble when it comes to pitchers. They're just going to because – it, and until there's a long, oh, you don't land a healthy Greg Holland. He never right. even takes their barely exactly. takes their call. Exactly. It, it, you're you're never going to land a pitcher who everybody wants, who is healthy, who's commanding top dollar. Because there's no pitcher in baseball that's going to go. Yeah, Colorado. That's a destination place for a pitcher. I mean, there just it just isn't going to happen. So I think you have to take those gambles on guys who have been good, who have been healthy, and maybe they have a question mark coming in. And you pay pay a premium for them still, 
and it's worked out. But I think that's a very that was a very uh, astute move by Breidich to bring in a guy like that because and it was a gamble. He could have been hurt. He could have he could have been done. You never know with pitchers. But he also had a history of being a really really good closer, and they figured out a way to get him here. And it turns out that that he looks like he can be that guy again. Yeah, 11 for 11 in save opportunities in April, leading to the NL Reliever of the Year Award. Uh, he is Doug Ottawill, the editor-in-chief of Mile High Sports Magazine. You know it, you see it, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at D Ottawill. We use the same naming convention. I do the same thing. I, I'm yeah. S Drotar on Twitter. You can follow me as well. That's D-R-O-T-A-R. And, and we'll have to check back, Doug, because this is an interesting uh, upcoming month after the the I mean, the next three series, let's look at it. It's the Diamondbacks. You're like, oh, Diamondbacks. Well, guess what? They're good this year. Yeah. Uh, That's that's a battle. That's a battle for first place this weekend at Coors Field. And then you get the Cubs and the Dodgers again. So, I mean, the the Rockies continue to run the gauntlet. And the longer they continue to keep their heads above water, uh, the more I think fans would and should believe in what's becoming a really fascinating story down at 20th and Blake. Yeah. And you make a good point. They've done a lot of this without john gray and he he's their stopper but they've figured out a way to stop skids and that's that's a big thing for the rockies i think and that i i still think that this really does show what kind of a manager bud black is because historically speaking when the rockies start to skid they skid bad and bud black has figured out a way no matter who's on the mound to kind of stop those i mean the 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 win against the padres last night was a great example because that's a team that's, for whatever reasons, kind of had their number. And they just came out and they hit well. They were patient at the plate. To your point about the strikeouts, um, Sensatella, I mean, it's so funny we're talking about this kid like that because prior to, you know, April, no one ever heard of him. And and he certainly wasn't expected to be any kind of an ace, but he's just kind of what the doctor ordered. I mean, he's a guy with an even keel personality and command over his, all of his pitches and doesn't get into trouble with walks and I mean, it's that's a, that's a guy that's whether you expected him to be dominant or not. I mean, that's the the stopper you kind of need is someone who's going to even things out when things are uh, are choppy. Well, it will be fun again. You can follow Doug at D Ottawill uh, on Twitter and and go ahead and pick up your latest copy of Mile High Sports Magazine uh, wherever you can find it. You can find it all over the place, and of course, you can also uh, read all the content. And Doug's always writing every morning. You don't have to wait every month for the magazine. You can go check it out at MileHighSports.com as well. Uh, Doug, thanks for joining us. We'll have to do this uh, again as we kind of hey, you bet, man. Try to, I like try talking to keep baseball. This in the family a little bit down here. It uh, was recording this in the Mile High Sports Radio Studios, so have an opportunity to do that. And yeah, I mean, baseball's always fun to talk about in a nice, long, warm, beautiful Colorado summer. And speaking right. of that, uh, this is brought to you as always by tap 14 the, the best rooftop bar in denver you'll find me there uh enough that i'm quite happy they haven't charged me rent yet i uh, found you there a few times yeah I, i'm up there a lot everything colorado up there uh, 70 colorado draft beers 100 distilled spirits a terrific menu uh, whether you want something lighter before you go into the game or you want to get a, a whole big old dinner and and have a time afterwards it's your spot so uh tap 14 19 20 and blake at the rooftop of haters and co find them at tap 14.com uh terrific to always uh, have them sponsor it and of course we'll be down there in another uh, a week or so to be recording live so when we do that come join us as well so for doug ottawell i'm sean drotar thank you for listening to another issue an episode of the blake street irregulars we will catch you next time this has been a 5280 sports network production